Alrighty, everyone, thank you for downloading this week's episode of the Full Minute Lockdown podcast. Last week's episode, the inaugural episode, hit over 100 downloads, and I'm thankful to every single person that downloaded that episode because, frankly, I was expecting maybe one or two, and that was from me and my partner, my fiancée, as she likes to be called. Uh, This week, we have... Uh, part two of the interview with Dave Haley. We have a lot more going on, including the announcement of next week's guest. And But right now, I want to do something special. I want to have a minute silence for Anzac Day. Please join me in this minute of silence. Uh, it's going to start right now. Thank you very much for joining me in that. If you didn't, that's your prerogative. Doesn't matter if you didn't want to. Thank you very much. Let's kick off the show. The Full Metal Lockdown Podcast. Presented by Tom Roberts. Thank you for sticking around to listen to the rest of this podcast. I am Tom Roberts. This is the Full Metal Lockdown Podcast. As usual, I apologize for my speech. I I can't help it. If you heard last week, you would know why. But I don't really want to go into it this week because I don't feel like talking about it. Uh, this week, I want to touch on the Cycroptic and Aborted National Tour that's coming up. I wanted to talk about uh, metalheads being wrestling fans and being UFC fans. I also wanted to talk about the Slayer track that dropped the other day, surprisingly. And I also wanted to talk about uh, King Parrot's world dominance, or at least as I perceive it. As a lot of people perceive it, really, they're taking over the world. And I also want to talk about some other stuff, uh, including my top 10 metal bands of this month. That's right, every month of the second uh, second episode of every series, I'm going to drop a top 10 metal bands. Uh, Aussie metal bands, I might add. Uh, if you follow us on Facebook, and if you don't, please do. The address is facebook.com 
forward slash full metal lockdown. Uh, or follow me on Twitter at Tom underscore Roberts 1989. Uh, you will know that uh, I've reformatted the way that I'm running this show to be more like a, uh, how would you put it? Like a TV series. I'm running 12 episodes at a time per season and I'm running three seasons a year, having uh, a full season off. So that's 12 weeks off. Uh, so that would be four weeks between each season because it's hard to try and uh, do all the interviews and get down to my man cave to do this interview when I have a kid and a family to look after. Uh, okay, because once again, like always, I'm staring at my computer screen. I'm alone in my man cave and I'm talking to no one. So it gets boring. So I'm going to do 12 episodes at a time in season formats. And I hope you all enjoy that. <laughs> Alrighty, so right now I want to talk about the Psychoptic and Aborted Tour with, uh, I think the guest is the uh, Schoenberg Automaton. Uh, forgive me if I've said that wrong. I, I, uh, I've heard of the band, but I've never heard their name pronounced the same way twice. <laughs> and I think a lot of people run into that uh that problem with that band in particular. Uh, their first show is on Friday the 13th of June at the Unibar in Adelaide. That is licensed all ages. The second show is on Saturday, June 14th at the Hi-Fi in Melbourne. I can't attend that because on that date I'm getting married. So, uh... On Sunday, the 15th of June, the Arbium in Albury, they're playing as well. That's an 18-plus show, as well as the Melbourne show is 18-plus as well. Uh, they're playing at the basement on the Monday, the 16th of June in Canberra, 18-plus as well. They're playing at the Cambridge Hotel on Tuesday, the 17th of June in Newcastle. 18 plus as well. Uh, the Cornwall Hotel in Wollongong on the 18th of June and the Factory Theatre in Sydney on the 19th of June. They're playing the Shark Bar at the Gold Coast on the 20th of June. Whoa, that's a hectic schedule. Uh, they're also playing the Bright Side in Brisbane on Saturday the 21st of June and the Lab in Brisbane on the 22nd of June. Uh, that is all ages at the lab. Uh, I want to talk about this talk because they're bringing a boarded out. That is going to be fucking wicked. I'm sorry for my language. Actually, no, I'm not. It's going to be fucking wicked. Sarcoptic and aborted in the same show. But if you follow Sarcoptic on Facebook, and uh, Dave Haley is the interview this week. He will give you the link later. Uh, if you follow Psychoptic on Facebook, you know that they're looking for bands. Uh, their exact status yesterday was, who do you want to see open the Psychoptic Border shows in Australia? Tag away. So if you want your favorite Aussie band to go and support them, 
go to their Facebook page and tag them in that status. I personally tag Deprivation because I think Deprivation deserve it and they're one of my favorite Aussie metal bands. So yeah, suck on that one, suck on a big fat one, I guess, as the youngins would put it. Uh, right now, I want to go into something that a uh, topic that has been interesting me. Uh, uh, just a general observation topic. Uh, metalheads being in being wrestling fans and being UFC fans. I touched on it last week, and I said I was going to talk about it this week. UFC is like the adult version of wrestling, and wrestling is like the kids' version of UFC. Uh, to me, I like wrestling. It still has risk, even though it's uh, scripted. But you try falling 30 foot and not just skate your shoulder. Yep. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go to YouTube and look up Mick Foley Hell in a Cell Drop. Uh, the Undertaker, who was a wrestler, threw him off a 32 foot Hell in a Cell and he went through an announce table on the concrete. Uh, you do that and live. And then you got UFC. To me, I love UFC. I'm a trained martial artist. When I was younger, I was a very, very, very accomplished martial artist. I know some things to this day. I you don't forget the basics. You don't forget a lot of the stuff you learned over the years. But uh, I love watching UFC because I love watching the moves. I remember sitting there with uh, some of my family members and going, oh, if he did this and this and this, he'll get out of that and he could probably win the fight from that. Two seconds later, he did exactly what I said. He got out of it and he won the fight. And they just looked at me like, whoa, you know this shit. I'm like, yep. But at the same time, UFC is too unpredictable for me. The reason why I like wrestling is you pay the same amount for a ticket to go see the UFC or any MMA, really. And you pay the same amount to go to a wrestling show. But the UFC could last three seconds because the guy could walk out, punch him in the face or kick him in the side of the head. Next you know, he's knocked out and you pay the same amount for three seconds of fighting. With the wrestling, you pay the same amount and you're guaranteed a four to five hour show because you only see two to three hours on the telly. But what you don't see is the intermission, the before and after show. You, there is actually four to five hours worth of show when you see it live. It is, uh, how would you put it? It's different. It's different. It's an experience to go see it live too. I mean, you got the Titan Tron, you got the rock music playing, you've got the pyro, you've got everything. But at the same time, I'm not saying I don't like the UFC. I like the UFC. They're trying to add a bit of show and flair into it. And I think what the uh, what what the owners are doing and what the president Dana White is doing is a very good thing because I remember seeing UFC videos back before they owned it when it was uh yeah king of the cage style fighting uh back when Tito Ortiz and uh Brandy Couture were just starting pretty much uh yeah and Chuck Liddell was just starting and it's come a long way, and I'm, I'm, yeah, it's very entertaining still. Uh, 
But yeah, the correlation between the two, I've noticed a lot of metalheads are either fans for one of the two, and it's just weird to me. Like, you would think, like, people that are into some heavy-ass music wouldn't be into sports, but they are. Because that's what both of them are, technically, they're sports. And uh, a lot of the people I know love them both. But anyway, uh, it's just interesting. If you have any thoughts or opinions on that fact, uh, hit me up at the Facebook page forward slash Full Metal Lockdown or send me an email at fullmetallockdown at gmail.com and uh, we can discuss it or hit me up on Twitter at Tom underscore Roberts 1989 and uh, shoot me a question or a uh, comment about it and we'll uh, jam about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess we'll talk about it if you hit me up. Uh, as I said in the intro, the show got over 100 downloads last week, which was our inaugural episode, the uh, first half of the interview with uh, Dave Haley, which is really good considering that I don't have 100 followers on Facebook or Twitter for that matter. But I suck up to have 100,000, so that might have had something to do with it. Uh, also, we um, are very proud of that factor, but uh, we're hoping that we just go up and up and up from there. But I was very happy to get one download, let alone 100. And uh, if they on the stats section of the, where I uh, upload my pod from podbean.com it tells me uh, the location of where it was downloaded most of them came through iTunes but uh, they uh, there were about eight or nine from the USA which is really cool the rest were from Australia but the US are looking at the metal scene I guess hopefully anyway <laughs> Right now, I want to get into my top 10 Aussie metal bands of this season, of season one of the Film Metal Lockdown podcast. These are bands chosen by me. I know I put them into a ranking system, but like I, I just want to give them all a shout out. They're all Aussie. They're all metal. And to me, they're doing great things in the country and around the world. They're shouting again after metal around Australia. Now, uh, my favourite metal band in Australia is a band called Deprivation from Orange. And they are on this list, but they are not number one. Now, I was not biased with my opinion. I just looked at what they're doing at the moment and I put them on my list. Now, uh, I have a list, a database of bands, pretty much, of, uh, I think the last time I looked at it, it was nearly a 1,000 bands, or a bit over a 1,000 bands, and I cut it down to 10 to make this list, and now I'm going to tell you, at number 10, at the aforementioned juggernauts of metal from the Central West, Deprivation. At number nine, I have from Sydney, the great recall VOR, Voice of Rule. At number eight, from Sydney, 
I have the band that are pushing things and doing things, shaking and stirring the metal industry around. I have Domino. If you don't know that, go to YouTube and look at Domino. I think their song is called Caravan. Very strong female lead singer. Great Aussie metal band. For number seven, I have from uh, Queensland, I have a Gold Coast or Brisbane. I can't remember at the moment. But I have Aussie metal legends, Lynch Mata. And number six, from Adelaide, I have Truth Corroded. Now, they're probably, I think they might still be on that Asian tour. But uh, they might be back. If you're back, boys, uh, hit up my Facebook page. If anybody knows them that listens to this, I want to interview one of the members for the show. Uh, at number five, I have uh, the Monday Giants of Metal, the next generation of Giants of Metal in Australia, Devour the Martyr. At number four, I have Pusher and Shakers. I have one of the best metal bands in Australia, Red B. At number three, I have the... Uh, how would I put them? There's really no way to describe the awesomeness of this band. Uh, I have Frankenbock at number three. And number two, I have one of the bands of this week's guest, Psychroptic. And then number one, I have the band that is dominating the world of metal around the world and in Australia, shoving their fist up. Everything they can get their hands on. That's right. I have King Parrot. So right now I have the second half of the interview with Mr. Dave Haley of Psychropic, the Amenta Blood Duster, just to name a few. And Dave, I wanted to ask you this question. Uh, have you ever noticed a difference uh, state to state with Aussie crowds? Like a lot of my uh, my friends have toured overseas, and like they notice a huge difference in like the American crowds. Like it's different in Seattle as it would be in Dallas, Texas. And uh, I just wanted to know, like, is it different in Melbourne as it is in Sydney, as it is in Brisbane, or are the crowds pretty much the same general outlook on what they're watching? Uh, yeah, it is actually quite different it changes um you know at the moment melbourne crowds are a lot stronger than sydney crowds um for example uh and then you know perth crowds might be a little bit more um energetic than an adelaide crowd or something like that but it's always changing um you can so there's not it's not one kind of generalization um because because it is still Australia and we still have, um, you know, fans have still got a similar outlook onto the, on the music. You do notice a, a difference when you start to go overseas into different countries. Um, you know, a German crowd is very different to an Australian crowd, yeah. for example, uh, and things like that. So it's more, you can definitely feel the differences between countries uh, and sometimes between states. Um, you know, you can have good and, good and bad shows anywhere, but 
Yeah, you do notice a vast difference between yeah, someone like an Australian crowd and a, a German crowd and you know, a German crowd and a Swiss crowd and things like that. So, yeah, yeah it, it just just depends on the, the country, really. Is Tasmania, like, playing overseas, like, with the travel-wise? Is it, like, when you hear you've been booked to play Hobart or you're in Hobart and you hear you've been booked to play Melbourne, do you go, oh, shit, now we've got to fly all our stuff over the Tasman or, like, or it's no sweat at all? Uh, it's what we've always done, so it's, it really isn't a big deal because we've been used to it from day one. Do you find it hard to get other bands to come down and play with you in Hobart? Uh, not really. I mean, we just ask bands if they want to come, they come. Um, predominantly, we play with Tasmanian bands in Tasmania just because we can't really offer much to bands when they come down in the state. Yeah. The state. But if they want to come and they know that there's, you know, there's going to be no money involved and they still want to come, then cool, yeah. We're out for whatever. Are there places that you'll never go back to just because, like, the crowd were just complete dickheads or the promoter was a fuckhead or, like, uh, you got all your shit ripped off there and it's just a bad memory or the et cetera, et cetera, places like that? And uh, why? Yeah, there's a few. Uh, you probably have to twist my arm to get me to play in Russia again. <laughs> um, I just didn't have the best time in the world, so... Ah, okay. So, yeah, I've been there, done that, and I'm not in a real hurry to go back. Um, just the particular conditions we were under for that tour weren't, you know, <laughs> weren't that fun, but at the end of the day, it's a good experience, and I'd always wanted to go to Russia uh, going there was fulfilling, um, you know, what one goal. But after being there once, Every probably, game. yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't have to go back. If, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not in a hurry to go back. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Are there any places in Australia? Like you don't have to name names and towns, but are there any places in Australia where you'll never go back? Oh, there's, I mean, there's a couple where. It's just, you know, the gigs really aren't viable to do, to travel hundreds of kilometres for fuck all people to come out. So there's there's a couple of regional areas yeah, um, that are kind of off our list, I guess. But, you know, never say never. If someone comes through with a cool guarantee and it makes playing somewhere that we usually wouldn't viable, then we'll probably look into it. Yeah. The only true international question that I'll ask during this uh, podcast interview is uh, who are your true international influences? Who is your favourite band to tour with? Because uh, and who are your international influences? Uh, yeah, good, good question. Um, we've been fortunate enough to tour with lots of super cool people and cool bands, um, and it's, it's always fun touring with different bands. Some bands, I'm glad that we. Never tour with again, but other bands, um, you know, you'd wish you could do every tour with them. Um, we're good friends with the guys from Discarnate in the UK, they're a killer band. Uh, it's always great touring with Black Daly Murder, they're awesome dudes. Um, Scarlet Carnage, 
Yeah, heaps of bands, heaps of bands. Um, we've talked with a lot of bands over the years, and there's been, um, you know, rad dudes in all of them. So yeah. I wouldn't. It's hard for me to pick just one particular band because there's been a lot. There's been a lot. What was it like uh, playing with Nile, Cannibal Corpse, and Decapitator on separate tours? Uh, what was it like playing with them? Did you learn anything from them? Every tour you do, you learn something from uh, from someone, you know, um, whether it's how to act on tour and how not to act on tour. All those bands are professional bands in, uh, in so much as they, um, you know, they make a living out of doing what they do. You know, you, you do pick up on a lot of things and learn a lot of things from, um, I, I guess, the professional bands. Yeah. All of, all those bands have been very kind to us and very cool to us, and we haven't had a problem with any of them. So it's, it's been, you know, we've been fortunate enough to do it. But you know, after twenty days on the road with anyone, you might get uh, a little bit tired of seeing someone's face. <laughs> but you know, with all those bands, any of the bands we've ever toured with, we'd most likely tour with again. Yeah, with, with the exception of one or two, but. Um, I won't mention them. Yeah, who? What is your dream tour? Like, who would be your dream tour? Either with an Australian band or an international band, it doesn't matter. Who would be your dream tour? Either to headline or support with? Uh, supporting Metallica on their 1983 Kill 'Em All tour. Really? That would be fucking. Excellent. That, that would have been pretty awesome. Yeah. So that that would be the dream tour. Well, uh, what about today? Like, if a band was touring, and you, uh, who who would it be? Who would be your ideal support slot? Uh, I don't know about ideal, but yeah, we'll put us on tour with Metallica because there's going to be shitloads of people there. <laughs> uh, I don't really go for much of what they do these days. Anything past nine, well, nine ninety. The Black there's, Album? Yeah, there's, there's a couple of tunes in the Black Album, but everything else after that's pretty fucking rubbish. Yeah. But it's still, you know, going to pull every metalhead in every city they play in. So if we if we went on, out, out on the road with someone like that, we're going to be playing to a lot of people, which would be rad. But a tour like that would... Um, oh, it just wouldn't happen, you know? Yeah. Well, I'd never say never, I guess. Like, it could. Like, Lamb of God... I, that was the last band I ever expected to support Metallica, and then all of a sudden they're on their last Aussie tour with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, uh, but other bands, uh, you know, it'd be, it'd be great to tour with a band like Gojira. They're they're a cool band. Uh, a few of my friends met them at Soundwave in Sydney. I. The band Red Bee from Katsumba, they've played Soundwave in Sydney this year and backstage they got to hang out with Gojira. They played straight after them, I think, on the metal stage. So, like, yeah. And apparently they're really, really nice guys. And, yeah. I reckon that could be a realistic hookup for Psychoptic to talk Gojira. Yeah, I mean, we're open to any offer. So, if, if that offer was presented to us and it worked out, then... Yeah, cool, we'd try it out. But yeah, well, so long as um, it's a cool package and people are going to come out, we'd be, uh, we're into doing it. 
Yeah. Metal for the brain. That is probably the most significant heavy metal, pure heavy metal concert in Australia's history. Uh, and you played, I believe it was two of them with Psychoptic. What was the significance on your career, both uh, personally and as a band? Uh, well, as a kid, I was always looking at the Metal for the Brain lineups and just thinking, fucking hell, it would be great to just go there and hang out one year and check it all out and watch all the bands. Uh, never really thought we'd play it, but um, you know, when we did get the, the offer to play it the first time, it was... Um, at the time, it was a dream come true because it's this event that you've held in such high esteem for years. You know, you're looking in the magazine, uh, magazines such as Hot Metal, and I think then it turned into HM Mag, something. And you see the lineups, and uh, it was just just a who's who of Australian metal. Um, so, yeah, it was definitely. I wouldn't use the term career because I don't really like the term career. Um, no. It's just, uh, it, it, it's definitely one of the highlights, yeah. <laughs> Metal for the Brain was always a great day, playing a cool show and hanging out with a lot of cool people, meeting lots of cool bands. Um, yeah, so, yeah, definitely, definitely. It was something that was uh, very significant for us. Did it have any influence uh, playing to such a large amount of metal bands in, with such a large amount of metal bands playing in one concert? Like, uh, did it make you shit yourself when you got the gig? Did it uh, make you go, oh, no, we're going to go there and impress this band so we get this tour or something like that? We've never really tried to play for other bands, you know, never tried to impress other bands. It was more so let's go and play the best show we can because there's going to be lots of people there that have never heard us before. So it was more about the audience more than anything. So, yeah, we we were definitely keen to play with the other bands just because we wanted to watch them ourselves. But we never thought, oh, we've got to put on a, a great set because the guys from Blood Dust are there or whatever. Like, that, that never really entered our heads. Speaking of that, when you were there watching Blood Dust, did you ever think, I'm going to play drums for them one day? No. <laughs> <laughs> No, um, it's very cool playing with them. Yeah, um, and I've I've always loved Blood Duster, but uh, you know the offer was out of left field, and yeah, so it it never really occurred to me. Uh, I just always loved watching them play. Um, thought they were great, great band. Yeah, that they are. Uh, would there ever be anything like Metal for the Brain ever again in Australia? I have no idea. It just it was like a promoter with uh, patience, initiative, and determination to, and money. to do it. Yeah, well, um, if they can find a few good sponsors. Yeah. Um, I guess Metal for the Brain was Metal for the Brain. It, it uh, went its course, you know. It's a, it's a great, it was a great festival and will always be remembered as such. It'll just take someone else with an idea and a vision to um, do something similar. Do you remember playing the Freshly Park Festival in 2008 into Orange, New South Wales? Uh, yes, I do remember. Ah, I was the uh, stage manager for Stage 2, so I didn't get to sing most of your set, 
But about halfway through your set, there was a break on my stage, so I got to go out and watch you. And I remember walking through the doors and just being hit by a wall of bass and noise. And my friend, who is not a metalhead, was like, how could you like this? I'm like, what? He's like, how could you like this? I'm like, yeah, it is awesome, isn't it? Do you have fond memories of playing things like the Festival Park Festival? Festivals or gigs that uh, look good and impressive but never really made it and with things out like in Bumfuckville, New South Wales or whatever? Um, well, it's always fun playing new places. Uh, I think that was my first time to Orange. So... You know, everything surrounding it was enjoyable, you know, travelling there through places that I've never been to, um, just hanging out with your mates. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a good time. Um, the gig is only one part of the day. If, uh, even if it's a, you know, you play somewhere and it's, the gig isn't the most, isn't the biggest gig or there's not too many people there or whatever, um, there's still everything throughout the day that can be enjoyable to to make it a good experience. So just playing new places is, is always rad. Do you have a social media plug? Uh, your Facebook for your bands, your Twitter for both yours and your bands, if you have a Twitter, uh, your websites or a merch plug? The main one is just um, the Socroptic Facebook page. Uh, I do have a personal one, but that's more from... Yeah, yeah. Don't, um, don't have to mention your personal Facebook. Yeah, well, it's uh, the, the Psychoptic one is just facebook.com slash psychoptic. Yep. Uh, and from there, you can find all the links to everything else. So you Pretty Twitter, your merch, your websites. Yeah, yeah, all that shit. It's all in the same place. Okay. And the, uh, the final question, which is always my final question... Uh, this one is interesting because you get to pick one of these questions. You can have a, A, ask me a question, anything. B, B, ask a really strange or weird question by me. Or C, give the quote of the week for next week's show. Alright, I'll, uh, I'll ask you a question. Alrighty. What, uh... What's your ultimate goal for your for your podcast? Like, what what do you want to get out of it? Ah, uh, shit, that's a good question, actually. <laughs> um, ultimate goal. If I get even a hundred listeners over the course of the whole thing, I'll be ecstatic. If I get one listener, I'll be ecstatic. But uh, my ultimate goal is to try and make heavy metal in Australia stronger. Like, because. Uh, it's already strong to me, but uh, my ultimate goal is to not necessarily make it mainstream, but make people think, okay, you don't have to be a devil worshipper to like that, or you don't have to believe in like killing a goat to like that, etc., etc. I want people to not look at metal and go, what kind of a weirdo is that for liking metal, if you know what I mean? I don't want... Because there has been times where I've been out with my friends and then people have gone to fights, of, tried to pick fights with me because of my... Uh, at the time, I had long hair. Or they've tried to uh, pick fights with me because of the metal, of the music I listen to or things like that. And 
like that ultimately inspired me. But at, okay. at the same time, I also want to boost uh, the next generation of metal. Like with yeah. bands like uh, Tones of Ruin, The Murdering, etc. Like The Murdering uh, got day uh, members from Days End Deprivation in it, and uh, yeah, I just want to boost the next generation of metal. Yeah. Cool. That, was, cool. that was a really good question. It's a really good answer. <laughs> Thank you. Well, we'll end the interview there, Dave. Thank you so much for coming on the Full Metal Lockdown podcast. No uh, worries at all. Thanks for having me. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Dave Haley. So that was the end of the interviews with Mr. Dave Haley of Sacroptic, the Amenta and Bloodtaster, just to name a few. I think Rowan's is in there as well. But for now, I want to talk about uh, the new, the sneaky new Slayer track, Implode. I just uh, finished listening to it again. Uh it's not bad. It's not their best stuff, but it's not the worst stuff. I mean, like, it was better than anything on Christ's Illusion, I guess. But I actually like that album. I don't care what the whole flack is about that. I quite like Christ's Illusion. But then again, I like a lot of Slayer's stuff. Actually, I like pretty much all the Slayer's stuff. Uh, Tom Mariah and Kerry King, they just get me every single freaking time. Uh, it's uh, better than what I heard of Metallica's new stuff. Like, I'm sorry, but uh, yeah, it is. Yeah. To all the Metallica fans out there, I think Slayer won this round. Uh, but if you don't know what it's called or that there is even a new Slayer track, go out and have a look at it. Go to YouTube, research, uh, search Slayer Implode. And it will come up. It's uh, not bad. Uh, yeah, I like the intro, the slowish ish intro. Uh, it was very cool. Like the uh, then I I didn't like the transition between the slow and the fast between the intro and the I think it was the first chorus. The first chorus was really fast, uh, paced. It was probably about the same tempo, but it sounded faster. But yeah, it's a it's a pretty good song. It's uh, Slayer good again. I'm just saying. But yeah, go to YouTube, check out Slayer Implode, and you won't uh, feel angry or animosity towards me for directing you towards it. But uh, right now, I want to talk about something. Uh, a metal band that I believe are just wrecking Australia in a good way uh, and wrecking the world in a good way. I, I, I believe that this band is taking the metal industry, bending them over again, the biggest object they can and just shoving it straight up the metal industry's ass. That's what I think. They're, they're taking the metal industry by their proverbial horns and fucking it into submission. And if you don't know who I'm talking about, go out and just look at any Australian metal band and you'll ask them who's number one in Australia at the moment. King Parrot, of course. Now, uh, the reason why I wanted to mention them 
is because uh, they just played Jakarta in Indonesia. If you didn't see it on their Facebook page, go to the Full Metal Lockdown Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash Full Metal Lockdown, and you'll see the photo of them standing in front of one of the biggest crowds I've ever seen. And uh, they've got lots of different photos from them playing that show. They just got off a tour of America as well, where they were extremely hot over there. They, uh, even though it was winter, they played so many shows. They played the South by Southwest Festival, for fuck's sake. But, uh, yeah, and they topped off and playing a festival with Creator. And the cool thing was they weren't one of the little names down the bottom that you can barely read. They were one of the names up the top that where their own logo was used. They weren't in the general font with the rest of the lineup. They were at the top with their own logo. That's fucking awesome. They're, I've heard this band come up a few months ago, a few years ago, I should say, uh, and a bunch of people were like, oh, King Parrot. And I'm like, who the fuck is King Parrot? I, I'm just being honest. Like I was like, who the fuck a King Parrot? A year later, I'm like, wow, these guys are fucking huge. A year after that, my God. God, they're one of Australia's biggest ever metal bands. But um, I just wanted to say congratulations to King Parrot and uh, I hope it gets bigger and better for you, boys. And uh, Matt, if when you get back in the country, if you hear this, hit me up, mate. I want to interview you for the show. Uh, we've already talked before about it happening, but uh, this is my official request. I want to hear you on this show, hear me interviewing on this show, whether it's face-to-face or over a phone, uh, phone might be easier. Now, uh, yeah, so hit me up, man. I want that interview. This portion of the show is uh, the portion where I don't edit anything. I just say the bullshit on my brain. You'll hear me. Breathing really deeply, you'll hear my pauses, you'll hear my croaky ass or throat because I feel like shit at the moment. Uh, you'll hear me take a drink of drink. You'll hear me go, oh, what the fuck am I doing next? You'll hear my hand slap down on my paperboard. You'll hear my pen slap down. You'll hear my pen drop. Fuck. Uh, and you'll hear me go, oh, what am I meant to be talking about next? But at the last segment of every show, I don't edit it. I do admit that I edit the other segments because I want to. Fuck you, don't judge me. Uh, right now, I want to talk about... Uh, shit, what do I want to talk about? Think about our subjects. Fuck. Um, excuse me, I'm going to have a sip of... Uh, Oh, Coca-Cola. Actually, no, it's not. It's, uh, Artie's brand Coke. Uh, Artie's brand Cola. Regal soft drink Co-Cola. <coughs> I nearly choked. 
<coughs> oh, I spilled a bunch everywhere. Oh, well, fuck it. Metal, fuck it. Uh, yeah, next week's guest. Uh, the ne next week's guest, I should say. Uh, this is really cool. I had a lot of fun doing this interview, but I fucked up. Uh, Dan, if you're out there and you hear this, we've got to catch up for another interview, brother. Um, I fucked up, really. I accidentally deleted, uh, a major portion of the second half of our interview, and I can't get it back. So we've got to sit down and do this second interview again. Sorry about that, mate. But, uh... In case you don't know who I'm talking about, I'm talking about Dan Silk of Red Bee, one of Australia's uh, most popular up-and-coming metal bands, and uh, in my view, one of Australia's best metal bands. Dan is the lead singer and guitarist for uh, Red Bee. We go into uh, them playing at Soundmade this year. We go into them playing... Uh, with Flyleaf last year, we go into them talking about, uh, we talk about uh, Dan's introduction into music and metal. We talk about influences outside of the metal realm. We talk about uh, influences from outside of the music realm even. We even go into things like uh, about their next album, about their upcoming album. And the cool thing is, starting next week, we have a competition. Yes, the show's first competition. And it's regarding Red B, but I'm not going to announce it until next week on the show after uh, part one of the interview. And then after part two of the interview next week, I'll announce the winner. But uh, in order to enter the competition, you have to have the email address for Full Metal Lockdown, which is fullmetallockdown at gmail.com. Uh, if you can't remember fullmetallockdown at gmail.com, you can go to our Facebook page, which is facebook at, uh, sorry, facebook.com forward slash fullmetallockdown. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter uh, at Tom underscore Roberts 1989. Uh, you can send me anything you want and I'll take it with a grain of salt. But um, yeah, have you noticed not as much swearing in this week's show? Uh, there's a few fucks and shits here and there. But there's no C-bombs. Because uh, last week I dropped my one and only C-bomb. And I got an email telling me that I they they were extremely offended. And they don't want to hear that. And I replied it was okay. Uh, you don't have to download it if you don't want to. But I will cease and desist. Because I like to keep a look of... When it comes to things like the C-bomb, I, I don't know. I'm a little bit, uh, yeah, flexible with it. But uh, they were like, um, yeah, my kid listens listened to it. Um, My reaction to that was, well, don't let your kid listen to it. It says explicit content 
on the download at iTunes. By the way, you can subscribe at iTunes and it'll automatically download to your device every week, but we'll get into that in a little bit. And I said to the person, uh, well, I'll stop dropping the C-bomb, but I'm within my rights to. It was... It says explicit both on the Podbean download and on the iTunes download, it says explicit. You don't have to listen. You don't have to sit there and go, oh, well, um, yeah, uh, my kid shouldn't be listening to that. I'm going to complain to the person that runs it. No, just don't let your kid download the f- fucking podcast. Anyway, uh, as I was saying iTunes, we're being select, uh, not selected, being approved for distribution on iTunes. That's right, so you can find the Full Metal Lockdown podcast on iTunes. Hit the subscribe button and it downloads to your Apple device every week, free of charge, hassle-free, automatically. Yep, and it's free each and every week. That's right, the podcast is a free podcast. I don't charge you to download it, and I don't uh, charge anyone to listen to what I have to say. And I endeavor to get the best interviews as I can each and every week, just like I had uh, Dave Haley this week and Dave Haley last week, and I had Dan Silk a Red Bean next week. And I'm trying to line up some uh, bigger, n- not bigger, uh, I'm trying to line up one or two international bands, uh, metalheads, I should put, to uh, hit up the show at some point. But um, yes, I wanted to go into a couple of subjects. Like, uh, my uh, favorite producer of all time, and Dan Silk and I actually talk about this in our interviews over the next couple of weeks. But my favorite producer of all time is Rick Rubin. That's right. Uh, if you don't know Rick Rubin, uh, the Beastie Boys, Red Hot Chili Peppers, uh, he did the latest Metallica piece of shit. Uh, actually, no, I shouldn't say that. Uh, Death Magnetic did have its moments. It was wasn't the worst album ever put out. Uh, he owns American Records. If you don't know who American Records are, and you own a Slayer album, shame on you. That's right. Uh, he owns American Records. Uh, if you own uh, Toxicity by System of a Down you would know who they are because that was produced by Rick Rubin and uh and Darren from the band. Uh yeah. Did you know that album is rated R? I did not know that Toxicity was rated R. I didn't even know there was a rating system on music until like a couple of years ago. That's crazy. But anyway, uh, I was co-produced by Rick Why would you want a co-producer on an album? There were three different producers on the album. The fuck? Serge, Darren, and Rick. 
And it was recorded in the same place that Blood Sugar, Sex Magic, and uh, Subliminal Verses by Slipknot was recorded. That's another one. Our Subliminal Verses by Slipknot was done by Rick Rubin. Uh, the Renegades album by Red Chance Machine was done by Rick Rubin. This guy is a fucking monster of of uh, music. Anything he touches, he knows how to turn it to gold. Uh, and in my view, that is just fucking insane because there's not many people that know how to do that. Uh, another one is Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails, who I got to see live. Finally got to see live a few weeks ago with they uh, toured the country with uh, Queens of the Stone Age and Brody Dali, uh, who was not bad, I might add. But uh, yeah, I finally got to see Nine Inch Nails. Uh, they were epic. They played Terrible Lie. That's all I could ask for. They were so awesome. But uh, I'm looking at my um, at my CD collection right now, at least most of it at the moment. And I'm going through it. I'm looking at Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. The producer on that was Alan Parsons. If you don't know who he is, look up Alan Parsons' project. Uh, here's one. I have a album... In my hand right now, CD. It was given to me. It was actually given to me for free by friends of mine because uh, I was friends with the band. But uh, I'm not sure if it's an EP or an album. It's Grindcore, and there are eight or nine songs on it, so it's probably an EP. But uh, it's called The Age of Disgrace. Uh, and the band is no longer in existence, but they're called Code of Lies. And the, uh, the cover is, like, pretty awesome, actually. The cover is, uh, until you open the CD case, and then you, like, see a bunch of people hanging out of a car and going, ah. With their faces, and you're like, what the fuck? It was cool until then. But, uh, yeah, you open it, and you look at it. You can't read their name, because it's just guancore and stupid. But, uh, yeah, the cover is, like, uh, two military men holding, uh, I believe they're Brishnikovs in gas masks with their army helmets on. And someone with their hands bound and their eyes blindfolded. Uh, yeah. I uh, released it on Grindhead Records. I believe Grindhead Records are out of Sydney. But it's a really good uh, example of the grindcore genre. It's a great, uh, a great EP slash album if you can ever get your hands on it. Uh, like I said, the band don't exist anymore. But it's still good. It's yeah. It's it's grindcore, so it's not really gonna age. <laughs> so you can, if you can pick, get your hands on it, I suggest it. Uh, it would still be kind of cool. Their singer attack. I believe he lives in London now or England somewhere. Uh, and the Patton brothers live in. Uh, Sydney, I think. 
Uh, but attacks vocals, they sound like a banshee getting raped. Um, another one that I've got my hands on right now is uh, an uh, EP. I believe it was the same artist that did the artwork. But uh, the the artwork for this looks like a rape dungeon, yeah, but in a uh, kind of cool way, if that makes sense. Uh, the EP is called Rebirth, and I believe you can pick it up on iTunes at the moment, but uh, I like CDs. I hate uh, digital download. Uh, the band is called Deprivation, and I just opened the booklet, to uh, see the uh, photo of the band, he's not in the band. He's not in the band. He's not in the band. Yeah, they've had a few lineup changes, but uh, Ben and Lachlan still are. And um, yeah, the cover is like a uh, abandoned room with a, uh, a wire bed, not a mattress, and then uh, a window. And in the window is just an endless tunnel. And then uh, in the wall, I holy shit, I've never noticed that before. That is fucking awesome. Sorry, don't you love it when you're looking at artwork on a CD cover or like a vinyl record or something, you see something that you've never noticed before. That's why I love CDs. You find something new every single time you look at something. And I've... Got my hot little hands on this album booklet, and I've read this booklet cover to cover a few fair few times, but I've never ever fucking noticed this in the uh, in the uh, paint work on the right hand side of the of the room. It's a face like screaming and like desperately trying to escape. That is so cool. I've never noticed that before. And I actually think people have brought it up to me before, but I've never noticed it. And then when you... Uh, that is so cool. But uh, when you open the CD and you open the case, I mean, and lift the CD up, there is oh, the same face. Shit. It's the same face you're acting by screaming that is in the wall on the front cover. That is, oh, wow. Boys, if you hear this, hit me up and just, like, call me an idiot or something for never noticing that. That is insane. Lockie, uh, Ben, if you hear this, tell me I'm an idiot for never seeing that. Uh, produced by Tim Carr and Deprivation. Uh, engineered by Tim Carr and Simon. Recorded at the East Street Studios. Mixed and mastered by 301 Studios in Sydney. Uh. And then uh, I don't think... I actually think I gave my copy of Amalgam to someone who wanted a copy because they couldn't get their hands on a physical copy. But they have an album out, a deprivation. They have an album out called Amalgam. And that's uh, the album that took them overseas and everything. But once again, they've had a lineup change since that album came out. Uh, actually, how many members have changed? Two. Shit. Two members have changed since that album came out. Um, Another metal album I have here 
I'm actually not too familiar with this album, but I've owned it for a very long time. Uh, no, it have to be an EP. It's only six songs long, and it's going cool. So uh, this one's called Mother Eel, Supporting Involuntary Euthanasia. That's, yeah, it's a brittle name. But uh, hand-drawn cover, hand-powered uh, background, hand-drawn CD cover. Uh, yeah, don't look too bad. I I listened to it back in the day quite a few times, but I haven't listened to it in a while. I actually might hit that up. And then I've got... Uh, a fair few Lamb of God CDs. Here's one. Uh, if you're into something a little bit different as far as metal goes, he's uh, retired now, technically, but he's in a band called Frequency. Uh, this one is called Lab 64. Uh, I'm just trying to get the CD. Uh, this is his first album, Cassandra's Temple. Uh, 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 first, I don't want to know what that means because I know who Cassandra is. But anyway, um, yeah, the great artwork. It's got the emblem on the front with snakes wrapped around it. You open it up to see the CD and it's got his emblem on the CD cover, on the top of the CD. You look and it's got him in black and white with long hair and... Uh, long, luscious hair. It's funny because he's bald now, mostly. He's a good friend of mine. But uh, check uh, Lab64 out on YouTube. They do the occasional gig every now and again. Um, I'm, I do believe so far I was almost not the only one, but I am the only one to pull Lab64 out of retirement to do a gig for me. Back in uh, last year in September for International Taxi Awareness Day. Now, uh, we're going to end the show there because I'm getting sick of talking and my throat's starting to hurt. But, uh, yeah, like I said, go to Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Full Metal Lockdown or go to Twitter at Tom underscore Roberts 1989. Hit me up. Uh, send us an email at lockdown at gmail.com and tell us, give us suggestions, whatever. I don't care. Uh, just hit us up. Uh, if you want the show permanently, subscribe to us on iTunes. Once you've subscribed, it will automatically download each and every week for you. Uh, yeah, so I love you. Thank you from my mom. I love you all. Good night. <laughs>